During Lent, it is an entirely appropriate question for us to ask ourselves, what does it look like to be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ? And to answer that question in relationship to the passage that we heard today from Mark's gospel, I find myself wanting to add just two more verses to that which we heard read from our scriptures. For we hear today from Jesus about discipleship. Let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. But to understand who this me is that we're following, I think it's helpful to hear two more verses from Mark, chapter 8, verses 29 and 30. Jesus asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. The identity of Messiahship relates to the life of discipleship. Let's get our minds into the landscape of this moment in Mark's gospel. The story we heard takes place near Caesarea Philippi. This is a Roman city. So imagine being able to walk around and see niches where you could worship temple gods. The landscape is that of empire, Roman occupation and anticipated liberation by the Jewish people of a Messiah. But no one expects this Messiah to undergo suffering and death and rejection. This kind of talk would be for the ears and hearts and minds of the disciples foolishness. They're imagining a restoration of the Davidic throne, of power and might. They're looking for crown, not cross. Said another way, Peter has a kind of Instagram perfect image of the coming of the Messiah and attendant discipleship. And it is not what Jesus foretells. Peter is blinded by his earnest preconception of what he was expecting in a Messiah, and it precluded him from really deeply seeing. Hence the rebuke that we heard from Jesus today, Jesus' reorientation of Peter, get behind me, Satan. And to what is Peter reoriented? He's reoriented to the cross. This is the very first time in the Gospel of Mark that we encounter the word cross. He's reoriented to an invitation of discipleship. Follow me for those who lose their lives for my sake and for the sake of the Gospel. We'll save them. Think about how often we use the language of bearing one's cross in our common parlance.
parlance. I think it's lost some of its intended impact and power. You might hear it used somewhat sarcastically when someone is incredibly good-looking and well-off and talented. Oh, it's a cross he has to bear. (laughs) Or if you're preparing for a holiday with a relative who might be difficult and you're preparing to dine with them, perhaps you're seated next to them. It's a cross I have to bear. It's not what's meant here. Nor is this cross a justification to remain in a posture of physical or emotional suffering in an abusive situation with the resignation that God has given me this cross to bear. When Jesus is talking about bearing the cross, he's talking about taking on all of the violent and oppressive forces of empire of dismantling those tools and techniques of those who oppose the way of Christ. That is the kind of cross-bearing into which we are baptized as followers of a crucified and a risen Lord. The consequences of shame and suffering and death, they're not a feature of merely being human, but they're what happens when Christian discipleship encounters the snares of powers and principalities, the illusions of this world. This past week, we heard from Father Keith about dwelling in the wilderness places of Lent, and rather than adding on heaps of practices or restricting our diet, that we might focus on just one thing. With that came the analogy of learning to ski. So I wonder about one thing that we might practice in Lent. Perhaps it is a model of discipleship that reflects authenticity. For it's far too easy to be caught up in illusions of what discipleship looks like Peter's first century seductive notion of a conquering, powerful hero. When maybe discipleship looks more like the habit of showing up to one another. A practice not of power over, but of being with I read recently a New York Times article by Rabbi Sharon Brouse in which she lifted up a pilgrimage practice from Second Temple post-exilic Judaism that reflects this kind of showing up that I want to invite us into in our lives of discipleship. The ritual looked like this. Several times a year, thousands of Jews would ascend to the Temple Mount and walk counterclockwise. And as they are walking, those members of the community who were lonely or sick or brokenhearted would walk in the opposite direction. So you encounter one another in a spiral 
face to face. And against the current, as you encountered someone, you might earnestly ask, what happened? Why does your heart ache? My mother died, my partner left, my child is sick. And the response would be, may the Holy One comfort you. You are not alone. Now someday, each of us is going to be walking along that outer circle in a place where things seem fine, and other days each of us is going to be walking along that inner circle where we are in a world of pain and hurt. And on either circuit, we face that seduction of illusory, sinful independence. Peter's version of messiahship, that in, in, in responding to that question, how are you, we might be tempted to say, I'm just fine, when in fact, we decidedly are not. Rabbi Bruce's advice, her admonishment, drawing from this ritual is, do not isolate when you're in a healthy place or a place of crisis, still show up to one another, approaching with authenticity and not with any illusion of trying to fix, but simply that we bear witness. Bearing witness is part of carrying one's cross of eschewing empire, of saying yes to the path of vulnerability that Jesus laid out. We're looking in Lent not towards Peter's Instagram perfect image of messiahship, but the reality of that which Jesus offers us. That we can practice naming before one another and holding the space to share and receive both joy and pain. Because the God whom we follow, as we seek to be disciples of Jesus, offers to us and demands from us that kind of world-turned-upside-down love in which everything, including death and desolation itself, will be redeemed. Amen. The Chapel of the Cross is an Episcopal church in the heart of Chapel Hill and the university community. Find out more at thechapelofthecross.org. There you can find our latest news and events, connect with our pastoral care team, Faith in Action Ministries, and offer a prayer request. You can also find us on social media, on Instagram at thechapelofthecross, and on Facebook and Twitter at C-O-T-C, Chapel Hill. May you be nourished by the word to serve in the world.